an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Urban Outfitters, Sephora, and Nike. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. During last night's Georgia Senate runoff debate, Democratic candidate John Ossoff answered questions next to an empty podium. And honestly, so did Raphael Warnock. From 30 Rockefeller Plaza in New York City, please enjoy this podcast edition of Late Night with Seth Meyers. On today's show, Seth chats with Nick Kroll about the new season of his Netflix show, Big Mouth. But first, a closer look. We are in the worst stage of the pandemic so far, and the outgoing president is laser-focused on two things, overturning the election results and counter-programming Joe Biden's inauguration. For more on this, it's time for a closer look. Until Trump emerged for his unhinged rally in Georgia this weekend, the nation was watching a bizarre split screen where on one side you had the incoming president who doesn't actually have any power yet addressing the nation on a regular basis, consulting his team of medical advisors, laying out his plans and calling for action amid the worst national crisis in 100 years. And on the other side, you had the current president in a sort of self-imposed hibernation from which he emerged only rarely to give bizarre minute-long press conferences about the stock market or lumber around his golf course by himself like a hungover Bigfoot on vacation. No pictures. No pictures, please. And not only has he been avoiding public appearances, he's apparently avoiding private ones, too, amid the worst stage of the pandemic, with the country setting new records for cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. Trump has been ignoring his own COVID task force. The task force will remain together, though. Of course, a question is how often they're going to continue to meet with the vice president. They've been trying to resume their weekly schedule they had maintained before the election. But our reporting still shows President Trump himself has still not attended a coronavirus task force meeting in months. I mean, obviously, he should be there. But it is a little like Hawkeye not showing up to an Avengers meeting. They can probably go ahead and start without him. You know what, I'm just gonna put him down for arrows and if I'm wrong, we can change it when he shows up. Obviously, it would be ideal to have a president who you know cares that thousands of Americans are dying every day, but I have to imagine it might also be a bit of a relief to the members of the task force when Trump doesn't show up to distract everybody with dumb questions. As you'll see here, Mr. President, the virus is now spiking in almost every region of the country. 
Uh, yeah, just spitballing here. Is it possible it spiked in a way that could have led to voter fraud? And say it again, this is just off the top of my head. Nevada, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Georgia. I'm sorry, Mr. President, how would that even happen? It's a spitball, guys. You can't ask follow-ups to the spitballs. It's like the first rule of spitballs because then you're de-incentivizing the spitballs. Of course, if he had showed up to any of those meetings, he would have heard dire warnings like this from one of his own medical advisors. This is not just the worst public health event. This is the worst event that this country will face, not just from a public health side. Yeah. 2020 is one of the years on record, and it's ending in the possible way, which I guess is exactly what you'd expect. You don't watch Paul Blart hoping it's going to turn into Citizen Kane in the third act. They didn't have Manx writing the script. We could have easily been prepared for this. Instead, we have to hope our current president is sitting at home in his sweatpants channel surfing and accidentally clicking past Meet the Press on his way to watching, I don't know, an episode of Ghost Hunters, hoping they find one who voted for Biden. Because Trump doesn't listen to his advisors. Instead, Trump prefers to get his information about the pandemic from medical experts like this guy. I have the best analogy, which I hope makes sense. Okay, oh, let me stop you right there. If you have the best analogy, you shouldn't have to hope it makes sense. That again, you shouldn't be on TV if you can't tie your shoes without doing the whole rabbit story out loud. But go on, let's hear this analogy. Pete Rose was going through a divorce in the 70s, and it was brutal. It was in the front pages of every headline. Uh, and they said, Pete, you're hitting 360 while you're going through this public divorce. It's brutal. And he said, I'd rather go through a divorce hitting 360 than 260. That's just it. We know how bad the virus is. Why are you making it worse on people that just want to be able to survive while we wait for a vaccine, which is right in front of us? Yeah, okay, a lot of reasons why it's not the best analogy. One, it seems weird to use Pete Rose in an analogy and reference his divorce instead of his far more famous gambling scandal. That would be like saying Boris Johnson is like the Titanic because they're both British and that's it. Two, going through a divorce is not as bad as COVID because it's not fatal and you can't infect other people with divorce. Though, I see you trying, Diane. I'm glad you're living your best life after your split with Kevin, but it's giving ideas to everyone else in the book club. Tone it down on social media, Diane. It's never good when a guy like Brian Kilmeade starts an analogy with, I have the best analogy. That's like hearing your dad say, I can dunk this basketball. I mean, you gotta call 911 before he even makes it to the hoop. Although I do think Pete Rose is definitely the right role model for Trump's post-presidency. After he pays all his legal fees and his loans come due and no one wants to stay in his chintzy hotels anymore, he'll probably have to set up a booth down the street from the White House where he'll Sign your MAGA hat for 50 bucks a pot. And you want me to make it out to someone? Okay, that'll be another 50 bucks. So the current president is fully checked out while thousands of Americans die every day on his watch and the numbers only get worse. Instead of doing anything at all about what his own medical advisors are calling the worst event this country will face, Trump is still obsessively trying to get the results of the election overturned. President Trump continues to be singularly obsessed with overturning the presidential election results. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution reports that just today, President Trump called Georgia Governor Brian Kemp and pressed Kemp to call a special session of the Georgia legislature to somehow overturn the November election results. I probably worked harder in the last three weeks than I've ever worked in my life doing this. If the hardest you work is the three weeks after you were fired, that might be why you were fired. That would be like Pete Rose saying, I've probably been 
a better husband in the three weeks after my divorce than I ever have been in my life. Oh man, I just kill me did it, didn't I? Shouldn't have done that. But yeah, no you're working harder now. You can't be bothered to show up to meetings or negotiate with Congress or tell people to wear masks, but you'll call into every state legislative hearing in the country on speakerphone like a celebrity getting paid to leave voicemails for fans. Hello, Timmy. This is Jonathan Frakes from Star Trek, The Next Generation, and I just wanted to say, happy birthday. I'll see you on the holodeck. Energize. Happy now, Timmy? Dad got Frakes. So maybe now we can chill about the fact that I forgot it was yesterday. I'm sure an exhausted nurse working a double shift in a COVID ward was psyched to hear the president bragging that he's working double shifts, scream tweeting at Fox News and sending his maskless gargoyle lawyer to spray COVID spittle on local elected officials while riding shotgun with accomplices too loony for the Joker. Boss, when it comes to witnesses, this lady is a 10. At least that's what she blew on the breathalyzer. Trump actually called up the governor of Georgia and asked him to overturn the election results, also known as coup calling. Because if you're not calling this an attempted coup, then what are you calling it? Because that's what it is. Just because it's a dumb, lazy coup that won't work doesn't mean it isn't still an attempted coup. If Trump walked into a bank with a Nerf gun wearing a mask on his own face and said, give me all your money, we'd still call it an attempted robbery. We wouldn't be like, that's just Trump being Trump, give him a few bucks and send him on his way. Well, I mean, he would. And of course he would. And she would. And well, they would. Well, and they certainly would. You know what? It's still not right. And yet it's true that Trump is working hard on at least one thing, not on combating the pandemic, but on counter-programming Joe Biden's inauguration. President Trump appears to be following through on rumors he plans to skip Joe Biden's inauguration. A new report claims the president is considering a dramatic White House departure that includes a final Air Force One flight to Florida, where he will host an opposing rally at the same time Joe Biden is sworn in. I mean, just go away. This guy won't leave us the hell alone. Also, you just know Air Force One is going to come back looking like a Motley Crue tour bus. Last flight, everyone. Eat as many snacks as you can. And remember, no flushing. We're going to also leave it on empty. He's never going to stop demanding we keep paying attention to him. Honestly, one of the most soul-crushing things about Trump's rally on Saturday, aside from his lies about the election and claiming the pandemic was almost over, was just the realization that he's never, ever going to stop doing these. He's going to keep touring like Billy Joel if Piano Man was a song about how Hillary Clinton should be in jail. 20 years from now, a 94-year-old Trump will be clinging to a podium in Tallahassee, dancing to YMCA and rambling about old celebrities no one remembers. We love, we love Lou Holtz, don't we, folks? Sweet Lou! Nobody talks about Lou Holtz anymore. Mean guy. Nice to me, nice to me, though. Sweet Lou! And of course, it isn't just Trump who continues to deny the reality of his election loss and refuse to concede. The Washington Post conducted a survey and found just 27 Republican members of Congress who were willing to acknowledge that Joe Biden won the election. And during a debate in Georgia last night, GOP Senator Kelly Leffler refused to say whether Trump had lost. Yes or no, Senator Leffler, did Donald Trump lose the recent presidential election? You know, President Trump has every right to use every legal recourse available. It's unfortunate that the um, uh, focus is on uh, a debate about who won the election when this process is still playing out and President Trump has every right to every legal recourse. The president has the right to pursue every legal recourse to make sure that this was a free and fair election in Georgia. The president has every right to every legal recourse and that's what's taking place. 
Sure, anyone has the right to file a dumb lawsuit, but these guys keep losing. On Friday alone, they lost six court cases in six different states in one day. They are the jets of legal challenges. At some point, you'd think the jets would just pack it in and turn the stadium into a giant Jamba Juice or something. And then this morning, Georgia officials said they would recertify the results in that state after a second recount showed he won there, which comes just a few days after a recount Trump paid for in Wisconsin actually turned up more votes for Biden. I mean, how many times does Biden have to win these states to prove to people that it's real? And how come Rudy can just keep walking into courtrooms and demanding recounts like some Roman emperor being fed grapes by a eunuch? Julianus, ill news from the Senate. The vote has been lost. Count them again. Make them count. <laughs> Second, she just malfunctioned and kept repeating the same words over and over like a tipped over protocol droid. My opponent, radical liberal Raphael Warnock, radical liberal Raphael Warnock, radical liberal, 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 radical liberal. Just in case you didn't get it the first 12 times she said it, it's like when a four-year-old learns one new piece of trivia at the zoo and can't stop repeating it. Did you know giraffes don't have vocal cords? Did you know that? Did you? That's great, Timmy. Don't just go play with your iPad for five hours or something. We're in the deadliest stage of the worst national crisis in 100 years, and the president is obsessively focused on counter-programming Joe Biden's inauguration and trying to overthrow the democratically elected government, and virtually the entire Republican Party is in lockstep behind him. Watching this happen to America is like watching Pete Rose. Going through divorce in the 70s. This has been A Closer Look. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Our guest tonight is a very funny comedian and the Emmy-nominated co-creator and star of Big Mouth. The fourth season is streaming now on Netflix. Please welcome back to the show our very good friend Nick Kroll. Hello, Nick. How are you? I'm good. How you doing, Seth? I'm doing great, um, but probably not as good as you're doing. Uh, recently married. Congratulations, buddy. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm sorry that you were not invited. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know if we had to focus on that, but uh, all right. <laughs> it was probably. It was probably the best part of the wedding was the fact that it was like. <laughs> I mean, nobody was there. It was just me and my wife Lily um, on a cliff in in Big Sur. But what I really, what I, what really brought me comfort was that I knew that you were not going to be there, and that, <laughs> and that. Um, it was a. Uh, um, it was a beautiful photo, and I will admit. It must be nice to not have the pressure of deciding who to invite to your wedding. It was. It really was. I mean, it was pandemic-related, obviously, because of COVID, but uh, it definitely made the guest list easier by saying no No one could be there. <laughs> um, yeah, because, as you know, sometimes people give funny speeches at weddings. Yeah. Anyway. And they can get a little close to the bone. <laughs> you, uh... Uh, uh, I would imagine that uh, had you had uh, your wedding with guests, your friend and co-creator of this show, uh, Big Mouth, Andrew Goldberg, would have been there. Uh, you Absolutely. guys have known each other so long. Uh, part of this season, as we saw from the clip, takes place at summer camp. Uh, you guys were in summer camp together. Uh, and yeah. there you are rocking out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, it's a quality picture of me and Andrew. I've known Andrew Goldberg since we were six years old and we became 
best friends in middle school and he joined me at camp. And so the beginning of the season of Big Mouth takes place at summer camp. And that is from, that picture is from, uh, we did a lip sync to Freddie, well, all of Queen's song, Don't Stop Me Now. Um, and we were all wearing spandex. Some of us had jock straps on, some of us had uh, teddy bears uh, taped to our crotches. Um, it was, uh, we won, and the thing was, we would do this lip sync competition, and whoever won that lip sync competition would then perform at visiting day. Uh, and we won, but our, our, I think the powers that be decided it was not the best song for the parents <laughs> to see a bunch of pubescent boys singing Freddie Mercury. When you look at old photos like this, whenever I look at old photos of myself, all I think is like, ah, remember when thin was easy? Yes, I had the same thought. I was like, look at tiny jacked me. Like, <laughs> what happened? Hey, I, I'm, one of the things I've always taken with, with this show is, um, you know, it's this very honest assessment of everything uh, kids go through in puberty. And I, it always, like, I'm reminded of it as more than I remembered it. I'm like, oh, like, the trauma comes back. And it must be helpful that one, you and Andrew went through it together. But also, uh, I'm very impressed by this. You actually guys, you talk to like teens from today, which must be a very important part of the process. Yeah, we, we talk to sex educators and then, and, and you know, sociologists and people who write about this stuff. And then through that, we've ended up talking to like uh, teens and stuff who are in like sex education programs and, Anecdotally, I'll, I'll talk to kids, you know, who watch the show and dig into it. And it really led us to the theme of, of season four of the show, which is all about anxiety. Um, and I think kids today are feeling heightened levels of anxiety um, more. So I think we all felt anxiety growing up. But then now because of social media and phones in their pockets and screens constantly, it's just this never ending onslaught. And I think it's caused not only kids, but adults to feel more anxious these days. But we we really try to talk to kids and, and get a sense from them what, what they're going through. Um, and ang anxiety and, and anxiousness is top of the list for kids. And we started writing this, you know, almost two years ago, um, not realizing that there was going to be a global pandemic. We thought there was just going to be, uh, you know, a presidential election. Uh, little did we know that not only would there be a global pandemic, but we'd have a president who refuses to concede uh, his loss. I, you know, I'm very taken with the amount of parents I have, uh, friends, I should say, that are parents who have kids who are in their teens and they watch this as a family because, you know, obviously it's, it's super funny. Uh, it can be really blue at times. But I think that as parents, they really respect the fact that it takes all this stuff seriously and doesn't dismiss any of it. And I think for them, it's a tool to talk about the things that a lot of parents don't know how to cross that threshold into making uh, them topics conversation. Do you get that feedback as well from parents? Yeah, I, I, I didn't, you know, when we started making the show, it was like, oh, well, let's make a show that would make us laugh and, and people like Seth, who we won't eventually invite to our weddings, you know, like we <laughs> wanted, um, but it, it really was. And then, and then I came home, uh, I, I went to like my nephew's bar mitzvah after season one came out and my nephew Jacoby and his friends were like, oh my God, we watched the show. And then, I saw their parents who were like my brother and his friends and they were like, thank you for having the show so that we don't have to talk to them about these subjects or it gives us, as you said, a, a platform to talk about it. So we're very conscious of what we're, what messages we're putting out there um, while simultaneously trying not to hold any 
pull any punches and make the show soft. I mean, in the first couple episodes, uh, Andrew is at camp and he won't go to the bathroom. And so he's got this impacted poop that is just growing inside of him. We decided to vocalize that. So we have Paul Giamatti as Andrew's impacted uh, <laughs> poop. Um, so it's, it's, we're really going highs and lows. It's, it's, it's highbrow, lowbrow. Uh, I, uh, you know, I've always thought that John Adams was the impacted uh, poop of presidents. So it makes sense so. you get Giamatti. Of course. I think that's a very fair analogy. <laughs> you, were, uh, uh, you were called the Picasso of puberty by the New York Times this year, which I just must be like a tremendous outcome to when you first started doing this show. Because that really, I think, also speaks to the highbrow, lowbrow nature of it. It's I and truly like Picasso is like my favorite artist and I am my favorite comedian. So uh, it all really worked out. No, it I, I, it was a very funny thing to be called the Picasso of puberty. Um, it's inc it was hilarious. And it's like whatever success I've had has been lovely. But when you're in the New York Times, like to our, my parents and my parents, friends, that's like the sign that you have made it. Um, little did they know that the article would then like talk about like m me talking to a writer's room about my childhood small penis <laughs> and putting my penis in a prison. Um, and so, you know, again, highs and lows, highs yeah. and lows. I feel like I would imagine uh, your parents had that history with you through your whole life, which is your successes often came like sort of tied to a thing they were both, they were like proud to tell their friends and then ashamed to show it to them. Right, exactly. It's like, yeah, they would come. And I used to host a show with Jesse Klein, who voices Jesse on the show. And they had to come to that show early on. And we would be talking about having sex and all this and the terrible, like having terrible sex and stuff. And they would have to be like, I guess I'm here to support my son. You know, like, <laughs> it just like I picture your parents coming to like, boom, Chicago and seeing you do something awful to a bunch of drunk, stoned uh, Dutch people and being like, I guess... We're proud of our son making money doing the thing he likes. Yeah, I think they're most of their takeaways. Certainly, my dad's was it would have been a little funnier if he was doing it. I think that was what. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, totally. Hey, uh, buddy, it is absolutely a pleasure to have you here. But it was even more of a pleasure uh, to have you at my wedding. Uh, that meant a lot. Well, I have to say it's a pleasure <laughs> being on your show always. Uh, and I had so much fun. I really did have such a blast at your wedding. Thank you for paying uh, for me to be there. Uh, and I'm so deeply sorry that I was not able to invite you to mine uh, very purposely. Uh, but I will say, if I did invite people to your wedding, I would invite your next guest, Jeremy O'Harris, to the wedding. Because I think he's so funny and so talented. And if you haven't seen his coronavirus mixtape on Instagram... I highly recommend watching them. It's where I it's where I understand the internet better every day. Um, and if you, I actually have some extra tickets to um, Slave Play. Uh, if you want to buy them from me, I can give you a very good deal on them. If you're interested in that, let me know. That's very kind of you. I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, congratulations again. Uh, it's really awesome to see you all the time. Thanks, Seth. I appreciate it, buddy. The Be fourth well. season of Big Mouth is streaming on Netflix. Late Night with Seth Meyers airs weeknights on NBC at 12.35, 11.35 Central. Original music on the Late Night podcast is by the HE Band. Don't forget to follow the handle Late Night Seth on social media and tell your friends to subscribe to the Late Night podcast wherever they get their podcasts.
This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of Skinny Pop popcorn. Imagine this, perfectly popped, endlessly delicious kernels, a symphony of just three simple ingredients, popcorn, sunflower oil, and a sprinkle of salt. No compromise, just pure snacking freedom. And hey, if you're up for a twist, dive into flavors like zesty white cheddar to sweet and salty kettle. Every bite's a delight, light and oh so tasty. Shop Skinny Pop now.